E-N. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Take a look at the markets. A lot of green on the screen from, from a grain complex. You flip the page, not so pretty on the livestock side. But there's a lot of fingers in the pot, shall we say, in what we're seeing in these markets today. Uh, weather. Delaying harvest, but good for the wheat, as you'll hear Arlen Suderman talk about. We do have that quarterly grain stocks report coming out tomorrow. Outside market influences. Is there a big concern about government shutdown? And then as everybody's water cooler talk has been lately, what these input costs are going to cost you guys as producers going into 2022. Well, as you heard me mention, Arlen Suderman joins us. He is with Stonex. So I've got to start out with, you know, the old saying, rain makes grain. And getting some decent showers uh, from, from your neck of the woods uh, through Kansas into Nebraska. It's it's good for the winter wheat right now, but it does cause for a delay in the harvest. Yeah, it's always frustrating to delay the harvest. I mean, we've nursed that crop along all summer long, and you want to get it out of the field before something happens to it. Hopefully, we won't have any real strong wind with this. I know in some areas the stocks are uh, have, um, showing a lot of weakness, but that's especially as you go east of Nebraska. But uh, that's always a concern this time of year. But uh, certainly, this is good for winter wheat planting. We've been very dry across much of the southern plains. Uh, and uh, as well as parts of Nebraska, and we could really use that rain to help the the winter wheat crop get off and get a start. So hopefully we'll be able to get a a little bit of win-win out of this situation, and it'll be short-lived on the harvest delays and uh, very beneficial for the wheat. So after we look past this this rain event that's moving through, everybody's focusing on what's going to come out of those numbers tomorrow. And some say there's some nervousness. What are you hearing and seeing ahead of tomorrow? Yeah, there is a lot of nervousness because USDA has a reputation for really pulling some curveballs out of their uh, from under their sleeve on these reports. I can typically. Um, predict pretty well if there's a surprise in the monthly WASDE reports, which direction that surprise will be. But I found with these quarterly grain stocks reports, uh, the direction of the surprises is often defies logic. And so you never know what to expect to come in out of these reports. You would think that soybeans would be particularly pretty humdrum because uh, all the demand factors are measured. Uh, you have crush and you have exports, and both are very much measured. And yet USDA even comes up with surprises in the soybean stocks estimates uh, uh, in the September report. If you look at corn, though, the big question is on feed usage. That's not measured. That's calculated when we take what USDA produces or estimates as production for the previous year, subtract exports, subtract ethanol production, subtract known food usage, and et cetera, and then, oh, the rest must be of feed usage. So you can get some real big surprises there. And if you have a big surprise in old crop feed usage, then that has implications for new crop as well. So a lot of potential for surprises that uh, have sometimes given us daily limit moves for these markets. Uh, and it, it will have traders a little bit on edge until they see the data at uh, 11 o'clock central tomorrow. You and I have talked, too, about that that knee-jerk reaction that sometimes happens, and the algorithms will jump right in um, and do the trading. So do we wait? And you know, we've talked about this before. Is it better to wait and be patient and give it a little bit of time to digest before having that panic mode if if need be? 
Yeah, because first of all, you're not going to build a trade in faster than what the algos do that can work in a thousandth of a second. So they're going to have the initial reaction to the market. Usually within the next minute or two, we start to see the human interaction on there and start to modify it. We can start to read the market at that point, how it's going to respond. The computers are the first thing. Then we start getting the human response. Does the human response add to what the computers are doing, or does it start to counter it? And uh, so that gives us a much better feel of direction then. All right, outside market influences, they've been talked about a lot lately. What are you hearing uh, with the impending government shutdown maybe later this week and just the toll it's been taking on this trade? Well, it's interesting to note that if you look at the like something like the last 13 um, government shutdowns, I think the S&P 500 has is, is gone up in nearly every one of them. So the market's not really worried about a government shutdown. It's more of an inconvenience and a problem for the ag sector because it would mean that we would lose the daily um, flash reports. China could come in and start buying up a lot of soybeans and or corn and we wouldn't get the flash reports to indicate such. We wouldn't have the weekly export sales reports. We wouldn't have the weekly export inspection reports. We wouldn't have the WASD reports. Uh, you know, So a lot of those things that give direction to the gr- grain and oilseed markets, we would not have. Same thing with a lot of the livestock mark, uh, data. So that would be the problem for the commodity markets. What the bigger thing for the broader markets is, is uh, well, several things, actually. One is the debt ceiling. And uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has said that October 18th is the line in the sand. Congress has to deal with the debt ceiling before October 18th. So uh, Congress, both parties, depending on which parties in the in force or in charge really has always came through and dealt with it. Usually it's kicking the can down the road, but at least they've avoided default. So the same thing is anticipated this year as well, but there's going to be some times of anxiety between now and then. Um, And so that could create some volatility. The other big things are inflation and what we're seeing in rising commodity prices. That's becoming a bigger and bigger factor. The strength of the dollar and the rise in interest rates that we've seen that's really escalated this week. That's part of all of this. Lots of things that we're looking at. Stick around, folks. When we come back, we're going to continue to look. I've got a quick question that comes from a listener in regards to elevators, uh, grain bids, and ethanol. We'll talk more about that and a whole lot more as we continue with the Wednesday version. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Let's get another Fontenelle feature. I'm Joe Gangwish chatting with Dusty Mim. He's a Fontenelle hybrids dealer in the Sutton, Nebraska area. Dusty, what do you enjoy most about working with Fontenelle? Good question, Joe. I love the community aspect of the brand. Um, I love that we're involved in our local communities and our our schools and and the things that are important to our growers, and, and that's what I think makes us unique. Dusty, what's the most rewarding aspect of being a Fontenelle dealer? Uh, I think seeing some of the old school thought of that we're neighbors and doing things together. Uh, Our dealership has a strong network of growers that communicate a lot together and and do a lot of things together, whether it's on the farm or leisure and, and understanding and knowing that we can learn from each other. Well, for more on how you can become part of that Fontenelle family, you can contact Dusty Mim in the Sutton area or any one of your local Fontenelle dealers across the state of Nebraska. To find him, just go to Fontenelle VN.
Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we continue the conversation today with Arlen Suderman, Arlen is with Stonex. And we'll, we'll start off with a listener question that came in regards to the cash bids that we're seeing out in the country. And his, his biggest thought or question or concern, Arlen, was you have a couple plant our facilities that are paying drastically more than some of the neighboring ones those just happen to be ethanol facilities is there some correlation as to why ethanol plants are paying more than the elevators at this point Uh, yeah there really is ethanol plant needs it they need a steady flow every day an elevator doesn't necessarily need it on any particular day unless they have a contract that they need to fill or something like that and it's going to vary in this time of year. We see a lot of this anyway. It's going to vary on the individual plant and how much coverage they've carried into this early harvest period. If there's a lot of coverage, then you're probably seeing a weaker bid because they're just simply waiting for the new crop arrive and they've got enough to get them there. If they're very low on coverage, which is oftentimes the case because they don't want to buy too much old crop, they'd like to get the, the newer crop in, um, and that harvest gets delayed locally a little bit, be it rains coming in like what we're talking about earlier or something like that, and suddenly they're stretched thin on having enough corn to kind of keep everything going and processes operating, and so they're willing to pay more in order to get the corn in. So this is really the time of year when it pays to shop, so to speak, um, because you can see some big differences from bids from one place to another. That kind of goes back to a conversation you and I had last week of of are we doing our bidding off the combine or do we already have our, our game plan in place? Yeah, and uh, that's a question that we get every year, which is the best thing to do. And the situations are different every year. This is a year when certainly there's probably more at stake than what we've seen for a number of years uh, because the balance sheets are rather tight. Now, if the crops come in bigger than expected, those balance sheets suddenly loosen up and the basis falls and the board falls. And, and we're thinking, man, wish we would have done something off the combine. Um, but, you know, watch the carry in the market. That oftentimes tells us quite a bit, you know, the deferred contracts versus an air buyer, the deferreds paying you to store and encouraging you to store or are they paying you to bring it up front what's the local basis like is the basis at historically strong levels and vulnerable should the crop come in bigger than expected those are the factors to kind of guide those decisions uh, you know if the crop happens to be smaller than expected then that obviously gives some upside to both the board and the basis overall from what i'm hearing so far i'm hearing better than expected yields in the drier northwestern ag belt and lower than expected yields in the eastern midwest uh where the fungicides just kind of seem to run out of gas so to speak east of the mississippi river and this is on corn so how that balances out is still up to debate i think we'll learn a lot over the coming week we're going to be updating our customer survey based uh, estimates on monday of next week on the soybeans i I frankly have been impressed by the yields that i've seen there's been a lot of variability yes depending on what part of the midwest you're in but overall i'm hearing a lot more surprisingly high yields than i am low yields so based on what i've heard so far in this harvest process i wouldn't be surprised if we ease the tightness with some bigger supplies than we expected on the soybean balance sheet well, speaking of things coming in higher than expected, that might be a, a good tone to talk about 
next week's input co- or next year's input costs. Uh, fertilizer has been a big issue and a big discussion. What are you guys hearing, and how is that affecting the conversation? Uh, yeah, there's a couple things to look at here. One, natural gas is one of the primary feedstock components of nitrogen fertilizers, and and uh, as we look at natural gas prices, they've been really surging. Now, they pulled back a little bit today, uh, but yesterday we saw natural gas go to multi-year highs uh, at uh, $6.28. They're four times that level in Europe um, due to shortages in natural gas. And so this is a global problem and affecting a lot of fertilizer production around the world. Some fertilizer plants are shut down because of the high price of gas that reduces the global supply of fertilizer and the fertilizer market's a global market just like the grain markets are and and then when you look at uh, and so while fertilizer prices are currently very high um, I'm being told by the analysts looking at the feedstock prices the natural gas price outlook etc that we could potentially it's not a forecast but they're warning the potential is there to see record high fertilizer prices um, so that could really have a negative impact on the corn acreage for next year now on phosphates another one China produces 39% of the world's phosphate fertilizer. It exports 32% of the world's phosphate fertilizer. And we're getting reports out of China that there's a moratorium on phosphate fertilizer exports through June of next year. All right, Arlen, best way for folks to get a hold of you. Stonex.com. All right. That is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss, and they're not suitable to all investors. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.